live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories from many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life, the show of insight, intelligence, and inspiration. I'm host Leah Mattinson, joined with my wonderful co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. Howard, how are you doing this week? I am doing really well. Thank you so much. And I'm still, um, haven't forgotten last week, which was I went to see the totality of the eclipse. And it was was really incredible down here where we live. Um, It wasn't going to be totality. It was going to be like 98%. And, uh, you know, my wife said, no, I want to see the totality. And I was concerned, you know, a million people were coming to South Carolina to see it because it was coming right down the state. I envisioned myself stuck for hours in traffic and who knows, it might be cloudy and I wouldn't see it. But she insisted and off we went to Orangeburg, South Carolina, about uh, two hours from here Uh, because we didn't really run into any traffic. We took the back roads and on the day of the eclipse, um, it did get a little cloudy about half hour before, but it cleared, and it was the most amazing sight. I mean, it was really, really incredible. That's awesome. Uh, and I want yeah. to dive, yeah, I want to dive more into that, but segue a little bit just by saying, you know, we waited, you know, whatever it was, probably a couple of months, because you know there have been a lot of chit chat about the eclipse. And where I live, we didn't have ninety eight percent. We I. Think we had about you know around 70 some percent but bonnie tyler who had to wait for 34 years to have the total eclipse of the heart <laughs> had to wait a lot longer than we did <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> she and, and, did she did uh, what, what was interesting and this might be interesting to your to the listeners if they ever get this chance again there is there is no comparison between partial and total um, oh yes uh it, it, it was interesting. Even when it was 98% partial in uh, in Orangeburg, the sun was still out. It was still warm. It was amazing to me that given the sun was basically covered up, a small slither of it was still able to light up the earth. It was really amazing. And then when you got the totality, that incredible um, sight of the moon surrounded by the corona from the sun's rays, you know, everything went dark, the animals started chirping, and it, it was really incredible. And then as the moon just shifted away and the sun came out, you got that incredible sort of uh, wedding ring effect. You might have seen it. It looks like a diamond ring. And it, it, was, it was really amazing, and I was really grateful that my wife insisted that we go see it. So if you ever do get a chance, folks, to to see one, don't settle for partial. Try, try to go where it's total because there is no other side like it. Yes, I could imagine it was just absolutely surreal and sublime, yeah, magnificence in its beauty. Yeah. And we talk a lot, 
lot about nature on on our show, and there's many directions that we could go with the eclipse model. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Mike, we could. I would love to pick up on. I would love to pick up on a post that you made this week. Uh, maybe you could just share that with the listeners. Okay, so so the eclipse came. Um, the moon started to move off. And so what did everyone do? Of course, they ran for their cars because everyone had the same fear that I did of, great, but now I'm going to be stuck in traffic for hours. So everyone <laughs> ran for their cars and off they all went. Uh, so I wrote, I wrote a kind of spoof blog um, about NASA uh, intercepting an alien message uh, about their observation of, of what happened during the eclipse. And, and, and uh, in this message that was intercepted, um, they observed this strange behavior of the humans that as soon as the sun came out, they started running for their cars. And the interpretation was, you know, either the sun made the humans just want to move and jump up and down, or they were frightened of it and were fleeing. Okay. Right. And right. Uh, and so it was written really with this purpose of showing how things can be so easily interpreted that if you look something from the outside, oh boy, what are all those people doing? They're running away from me. Oh my gosh, you know. But when you get actually Run drilled away. down, Run yeah, away. You, just for right, that. right, right, exactly. When you drill down, the fact is they just want to get out of there because they didn't want to get stuck in traffic, and, and it, it it reminds me of a lot of things that uh, happen in science, outside of science, in this world where people make those interpretations and just so excited about them and they're completely wrong. <laughs> there's, all, there's another explanation for them. So, so um, I just took the opportunity to have a bit of fun with, uh, with the eclipse. Of that. And so where yeah. can people find that blog? Howard, where can people find that? Um, I think I posted on my uh, my Facebook page. Um, so you look Howard Rankin Facebook page. You can look that. I posted it on Twitter. Uh, at, uh, my name on Twitter is cynical c y n i c a l psychologist j e s t. Uh, but you can also look me under Howard Rankin. I occasionally post things like that there. And actually, I think I also posted it on LinkedIn just for the heck of it. Fantastic. Yeah. So if anyone wants to be amused for a while, <laughs> check out Howard's blog, because <laughs> that's not the only funny writing. <laughs> and uh, yes, slightly cynical, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yes. Or, right, yeah. you know, just really actually uncovering or lifting the Band-Aid off of some of the really um, funny things that we do. And sometimes it's not so funny, but that's a particularly funny example of just how we increasingly misinterpret things and then how that influences our whole you know, day, sometimes our whole life by making these misinterpretations. Right, right. And I have to be grateful to a former guest of ours, Chitan. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, who was on here. And, you know, he, he did a little analysis of both of us. And what he said to, to me was, you're somebody who's, who, he didn't say cynical, but can see the limitations of people's, you know, ambitions, ideas, and what have you. And I never thought of it like that, but he was absolutely right. I, you know, i um, positive guy. I like to do lots of things, but... But when I see things that don't quite jive, I feel I have to make a comment about it. Yes, that. yes. Well, and then it gets people to kind of interrupt their own thinking and rethink situations. I often say that it's time to rethink everything. <laughs> we think it we're is. so brilliant. We think we're mm -hmm. so brilliant in our oh. thoughts. And sometimes we're, we get tripped up by our thinking a lot more than, than what we realize in our 
day to day, I think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and I know you've seen that in, in Europe. You know, everyone's seen it if they open their eyes to it. Um, the fact is that um, we've kind of outgrown our ability to be smart. Um, it comes yeah. with some problems and uh, we don't use it terribly effectively. Um, and yeah, one of the th- one of the real examples, just uh, it was struck by driving through construction recently or just the amount of miles that I put on driving up and down the highway and how um, just by driver behavior, pe- I can misinterpret things or I can look at people as if they are my parents driving the vehicle. So if somebody's driving sort of erratically, I don't automatically go to, oh, you're such a, you know, beep, beep. (laughs) I think, oh, like, is something wrong with you? Which completely changes how I see that behavior. But there's lots of different ways to interpret, um, you know, just behaviors that we see every day in traffic. If people are struggling with, well, what does that, you know, how does that connect in my real life? Um, But how is it that you look at people and their behaviors through the lenses and filters that you have that might create um, like a whole storyline that isn't even close to accurate? (laughs) No, no, absolutely. And in the last few years, when I've really got into the cognitive neuroscience and how we think, Mm -hmm. I'm always mindful of that, you know. Mm I do have that reaction. I think, you know, I have an emotional reaction. You know, some guy's weaving in and out of traffic. What an idiot. But then wait a minute. You know, he might have a sick baby and he's rushing it to the hospital. Oh, how would I feel about that then? I don't know. And the three hardest words, well, not quite the three hardest words in the language are I don't know. The three hardest words are I was wrong. Oh. Um, right? um, <laughs> yes. But, you know, if you have that perspective and say, I don't know what's going on. The guy looks like he's being an idiot, but perhaps there's a good reason for it, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I'm reminded of it right now because my daughter is expecting and she's due. Uh, and so I've been spending quite a bit of time with her the last few days just uh, waiting for baby's arrival. And that might be me, that crazy grandma driving through the traffic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's right. <laughs> to get, yeah, that's get right. her wherever she needs to be. So right. remember that, folks, as you <laughs> head into the traffic today. <laughs> yeah, but if you're actually doing, we don't have a hot clue, but if we can look at them through kind of a benign and loving space and create space for them to get where they need to be, because maybe they do need to be somewhere. And our story is that we can just take our time on our way to wherever it is that we're going. So it's just a different way of looking at things. And it, it frees uh, me, me up anyway, frees us up to actually uh, come from a like a calm space more often than getting all stressed out and having these, you know, emotional hot button reactions to things that, again, we don't have a hot clue what's actually going on. We only know what's going on in our vehicle for us. Right. And that and that's why emotional man, emotion management, emotional intelligence and emotional control are really important because emotion drives the drives the narrative. So you're driving along, somebody cuts in, boy, you get angry, okay? You get angry, and that anger will drive the narrative. What an idiot, blah, 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 blah. Um, But if you can manage the anger and say, yeah, well, okay, override it, because the emotion will win unless you really make an effort to override it. And then you can start putting in other narratives that are more benign, probably just as realistic, uh, just as accurate, and you don't go off on a tangent. Yeah. Uh, yes. But that's those, hard to do. Yeah, it is hard to do. And I, I can speak to that in the Huntington sort of community of things because, um, like, we're told that that's an incurable disease. And so when you get, when you have that in your family, you know, there's 100%, according to science, 100% 
chance of you, um, if you're gene positive, becoming symptomatic unless something else kills you first. And so it's a very interesting position to be in, because, and I disagree with it. I think that the that more the truth is that 100% of the people who go in for genetic testing um, will maybe manifest the disease, but the 100% of people who are gene positive who never go in for genetic testing and are not symptomatic, they're not even part of the system. Like, so there is right. no scientific study of those folks, and I'm sure there are those folks in the population. Uh, and, and again, it's like the challenge to believe, it's like, what is it that you're going to actually believe about um, what you're told by an external authority? Right. And, and is that it whole, true or isn't it true? And that whole concept of quotation mark, a terminal illness, um, what does that imply? Uh, I mean, we're all going to die. So in that sense, we're all terminal. Um, but is it going to be this that, that, that kills you, you know? And uh, the words that we use in these narratives are very, very important because they can mislead us completely. And I agree. I've got another example. Uh, remember, Bob Morello was on telling her story about when she caught the H1N1 virus. Um, uh, it was said like 10,000 people died, but those were the people who had actually been proven to have the virus. You know, they'd gone to the hospital and they'd been tested, but there were probably thousands more who never did that but died, but they're not in the official statistic. So it's, it's, it's very, you have to take, you have to look very carefully at, at data and how it's presented and information. And a lot of the time it's limited. It's right. not perfect, you know, but we take it as that because it comes from sources and, you know, we expect them to be right. Yes. And so, and so what are other be behaviors do you think day to day that just in our day to day lives that we get up in the morning and automatically we tell ourselves a story and that creates a whole um, just a domino effect of things that we do that are in reaction to just normal circumstances in our, our lives you probably have lots of examples well just a simple thing let's suppose you wake up and you've got a bit of a headache okay what do you tell yourself then Oh, it's going to be one of those days. Oh, I got to take something. Oh, I got. You know, if you tell yourself that, well, here we go. Right? It's Monday. Yeah, I'm going to be really sick by Wednesday. Yeah. You know, I've got so much to do. And of course, what you're doing is you're ramping up your own stress and probably making it more likely. Because what we know about mind-body connection, we know that could happen. Uh, you know, so so again, just a simple thing like that. <clears throat> can make a huge difference, really. Yes, and that's is. And that's why you have to be mindful of what you tell yourself. Um, and and be careful, the emotion will drive the narrative all the time, and you've got to, you have to make the conscious effort to avoid that. Right, and we're really, um, I think in our day-to-day -day lives, I'll speak for myself, is that there's always, there's always something changing. Uh, and that's a constant. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we've got, uh, you know, relationship changes, dynamics in relationship changes, relation, uh, changes in work location, changes in uh, what's going on out in the, on, you know, on the ranch with animals and their wellness. And so there's all these moving parts. And the, the person who can adapt to changes the most quickly is the one who's going to be okay. And Part of, um, you know, it's like we have more things to look at and consider when we're 50 than we do when we're 20 uh, or different things. And so there's all these levels of things that are changing all the time. And part of the skill um, of emotional mastery, for me at least, has been really to be able to 
not think about things so much uh, in my conscious mind, but to actually listen to that internal voice of wisdom that says um, that is correct and that is not correct, and then to operate from there. Yes, but you, you know, you have worked hard to get to that point, right? Of yes. recognizing. No, you have. You've worked hard, and you've gone through a lot of stuff that has trained you to do that. And so, you know, you, unlike most people, are aware of that, which enables you to to control the emotion and just just let it happen, rather than be too much in your head and too carrying around with your the emotions and letting them get away with you and changing your narrative. And that's why you're such a positive and successful person, I believe, because if you don't have that, you are going to be controlled by your emotions, which means you're going to be controlled what other people do because they can screw things up for you and you can get mad, mad and frustrated and anxious and depressed and all of those things. Um, you've given that control over to your emotions and to some extent to other people and that really is not effective. So this is a very, very important topic. I'm glad we're talking about it today. So we'll continue talking about it with lots of other examples of how you have to be careful of the narrative and your behavior patterns and how you really can begin to manage the emotional side so that it doesn't drive your narrative and to the point where you end up making poor decisions. So we'll talk more about that on the other side of Master Your Life. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey gang, this is Leah Mattinson, and I know if you're listening to my program right now that you're somebody who is interested in mastering your life. Maybe you're interested in being a better parent or living with more energy and vitality in the face of a debilitating disease. Or are you just stuck in a rut and want to learn how to reconnect, play, and enjoy your life fully again? Then I invite you to come to reallifetraining.com to learn about my upcoming Real Life Reflections, a weekly live interactive workshop. These closed group discussions dive deep into life's biggest real life challenges and how to successfully navigate them. Now you can become a participant in these discussions with me. So if that sounds like where you'd like to be and how you'd like to feel, come on over to the website at reallifetraining.com and see how you can access more health, happiness, and joy each week. Reallifetraining.com, where we help people to help themselves. When was the last time you said, I love myself and I love my life? Can't recall. Has it been five years? Ten maybe? Or do you quite literally not remember a time when you felt peaceful and joyful? Well, how would you like to be one of those special women who glow because you're on a path to awakening and evolving consciously? If that sounds like where you want to be, but you just don't know how to get there, come join Leah Mattinson for one of her upcoming retreats in a beautiful, intimate, and very exclusive location. Dive deep in mind, body, and spirit. Go to reallifetraining.com for details. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. 
Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm host Leah Mattinson, along with my co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. And today we're talking about how we um, misinterpret behavior that we see uh, in ourselves and actually in others as well, and how easily uh, that can happen and influence the kind of day that we have. So, Howard, you have a great story about drunk frogs. No, (laughs) (laughs) that might not be interpreted correctly. So, maybe you'd share the real story. (laughs) Alcoholic rats. Okay. Oh, alcoholic rats. (laughs) So, so so a lot of addiction research has used rats, um, you know, giving them exposure to alcohol, sometimes even drugs, and and seeing what happens. And there was one experiment, which was actually one of my favorite ones, where animals were uh, addicted to, uh, I forget what it was, but it was some powerful substance. And then they were moved from their home cages to a neutral cage. The home cages is where they were fed the, the drugs and got addicted. And then were moved to, the, to neutral uh, other cages, not their home cages. And what happened was the researchers compared the withdrawal symptoms in a novel cage with the, peop- with the rats <laughs> who um, stayed in their home cages. And what, what was found was that the rats in the novel cages didn't have anywhere near the amount of withdrawal symptoms that the rats who stayed in the home cage did. And the assumption was that is the environment of the home cage was associated with use, triggered all sorts of symptoms, and therefore was a reminder at a physical and presumably mental level of the use, and therefore it was very difficult to withdraw in the home cage where they had been given uh, the substance, as opposed to a novel cage that had nothing to do with the substance. So, you follow me so far? Where we, yes. are we going? Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, I wrote this piece, which started off by saying I was rummaging through the attic of a relative who happened to be doing this research, and I found a letter from a rat, Arnold the Rat. And Arnold the Rat said something like, you people are stupid. You know that experiment? The reason that we did better in the novel cages is they were so much nicer. It was like, you know, staying in a motel or moving to the Ritz. It's got nothing to do with the environment. And it reminds me a bit of that, you know, the interpretation of people fleeing in the traffic. Oh, they're fleeing. Um, You know, we're so... (laughs) 
<coughs> we're so we have a perspective through which we want to see it, and every explanation is through that perspective. Um, and the example that I used was, oh yeah, and, and the rat went on to say, look, if you were put in solitary confinement, doing nothing all day, you'd be bored out of your brain. You take the heroin and drink the alcohol too. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with it. It's just we're bored out of our minds. If you were in solitary confinement and somebody said, here's some weed or pot or heroin you take it too it's got nothing to do with addiction it's to do him so it's to do with changing your state right changing your state (laughs) and 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 so forth and so that's another right and and in fairness actually there is a researcher i forget his name who has made that point about animal research is that it's been looked at through the lens but who knows what's really going on you know yes um you can say oh yeah they withdrew you know their withdrawal was much less in this this new cage but what other things were going on there perhaps they said thank god i'm out of that place you know um and so especially with animals where we really don't give them credit i don't think anywhere near as much credit as they deserve for what they're capable of doing yeah, and I think it's like this, such a great example, too, because all these assumptions that are made, right? It's like, I'm going to assume that X, Y, Z, and I see that in people's communication all the time. You know, we had this, we had a sanctuary closed down uh, nearby us, a, a wildlife sanctuary. And so we're driving past, and insta- it's like everyone is supposing why the wildlife sanctuary is closed. And and the stories build and get more and more um, mm-hmm. strange. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well. Yep. Maybe they're having a divorce and maybe it's done. I'm like, holy smokes. Right. You guys, we don't, nobody knows actually what's going on. So why, it's like, so why are we so interested in what's going on in somebody else's life? How about be more curious about your own? Because <laughs> it's yes. just like, you you don't have any idea what is going on. And yep. so we make up, and there was this big game that the kids played for a while, maybe adults too, I can't remember, but it was, would you rather, like, would you rather this or would you rather that? And I would watch people playing this game and think to myself, what? What is this? What is it that you're creating by playing this game and creating this um, situations that would never happen in real life? Like, would you rather be eaten by a tiger or licked by a llama? I don't know. Have you met a llama? I, <laughs> they're nasty, ferocious beasts. <laughs> yes, quite. Well, yes, but, they are. But neither one of those things and, is likely to happen. <laughs> yes, and, and I think Hitler liked llamas too. So you know. <laughs> Old, I mean, old Hitler. <laughs> but this is what, but this actually, we're laughing about it, but this actually, these sort of Chinese whispers Ugh. game happens. So mm-hmm. somebody does a very poor piece of research and says, uh, oh, you know, bananas are terrible for dogs. Right. Okay. No, no, you know, no, no, no. Sorry, I started on the wrong way. They say, you know, probably not a good idea to give a dog a banana for no good reason then you know before you know it there's a thing on you know wherever saying the worst food that dogs could ever eat bananas you know (laughs) and and it just gets exaggerated don't ever oh your dog ate a banana oh my god you know and frankly the there's no reason why they shouldn't okay so so this it just gets exaggerated exaggerated amplified exaggerated to the point of absurdity and those are the things that sort of draw our attention and, and suck us in, you know, and it's it's a waste of time. Right. Yes. Um, but then, well and then how, does the, how does a layperson distinguish between poor research and good research? Because often the poor research is coming from very credible 
sources. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, not that many years ago when you were supposed to not eat butter or eggs. I'm like, I'm a farm girl. We eat butter and eggs. We eat them right. all the time. Right. <laughs> and bacon. <gasps> no. mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> Just, but it was this, I remember watching that and thinking, uh, like, we bake a lot. Uh, my mom is a little Frenchy uh, lady and she, you know, bakes all these beautiful cream sauces and cinnamon buns and da da da. And we eat them. And uh, I just think we don't eat 20 of them. We eat one of them and they're really good. Uh, I eat a ton of eggs, but there was a time when, man, if you got, if you were eating eggs, everyone around you would be going, oh, you shouldn't be eating those. They're so bad for you. And now it's like the swing back is that eggs are like apples, nectar of God, right? (laughs) Well, it's interesting. You know, you go to these restaurants and they say healthy alternative, egg whites only, uh, excuse me, that's wrong. The yolks mm-hmm. are the most <laughs> healthiest right. part of the egg. Yes. Um, but, but, you know, here you see that regularly. We do egg white if you ask us because it's healthier. No, it isn't healthier. Yes. And so there's so much nonsense out there. The problem is that we just don't know. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. And what we think we know, do we have that in the right perspective? And, and it's tough. And the fact is, we all want to feel we're in control. We know these things because it makes life a little easier. But the reality is, uh, we don't know that much or as much as we think we do, or we're just flat out wrong. Right. <laughs> One thing you can guarantee is that you're going to be wrong at yes. some time. <laughs> no, but that's, that's right. And that's very, very important. And it, it permeates everything. It permeates mm-hmm. everything. Um, and it gets, it gets, uh, you know, it, it's, it's fine if we're talking about, oh, looking at somebody driving through the zigzagging through the traffic and what we think of them. But there's, there's a case uh, in our area recently, and I'm sure this is common. A man was released. He'd been in jail for 20 years for a crime he did not commit. And the reason he was convicted was some expert came in and, you know, gave definitive evidence that was wrong. Right. You know, it was not admissible. It was wrong. Convinced the jury. Guy goes to jail for 20 years. Did not do it. Yeah. And that happens, I think, fairly regularly. Oh. Not, oh. To, not to that extreme, but kind of the difference. Oh. Where, yeah. In uh, systems of, you know, whether it's the whether it's the health system or the legal system or the, you know, whatever. Just the systems of things. They're built to kind of move people through them quickly and not necessarily with a lot of discernment. Uh, So kind of it's in our own best interest to figure out how do we develop a good set of, um, you know, skills around emotional mastery, but also how we look at the world from a benign and loving position. Uh, And so that takes us out of all of the heat of things. And and there's lots of things to get excited about and heated up about, uh, heated up about, but again, it takes, is, are those, is that really the state that we want to be in? Like, we, we know that that state is kind of fight or flight. We know that that creates all kinds of things in terms of, you know, dumping uh, not good stuff into our system that makes us sick. So, you know, in a culture that is, um, in North America anyway, you know, struggling with stress, obesity, um, like problems in the food source, problems with the school systems. It's like, how do we actually get quiet enough? Uh, to be able to start to really develop a good set of filters where, again, we are making good decisions, you know, and even if, and then when we make mistakes, 
uh, that we say, sorry, I was wrong, and that everyone around you doesn't go, yeah, you were wrong, you were wrong, and they get really big satisfaction out of that, right? You were wrong, right. you're an idiot, da-da. Right. Like, right. Uh, yeah, we, we, set, we like to set people up on pedestals and then kick the pedestal out from under them as opposed to their, that mm-hmm. they're human just like us, right? You're going right. to, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's very important, and it comes back to reining in our judgment, because you know most of the time we're in no position to judge, um, you know, and to say, hey, you know what? I just don't know. I don't I don't have enough of the facts or the evidence. I have no idea. I'm not going to judge this person. And um, unfortunately, we, instead of evolving to being more discerning and less judgmental, my concern is that we're going the other way. And um, so that's concerning to me because I see so much judgment. I see so much. It drives the hate. Uh, No attempt to really consider somebody else's position, no attempt to really understand. We don't have uh, all the information, uh, no recognition of the fact, you know what, I maybe will be wrong. Yes, and quite possibly <laughs> a lot mm-hmm. of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes. And so where do you think that comes from, like the, the difference between being like uh, judgmental and developing a state of curiosity? in the world? You know, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I certainly think the culture, we, we, you know, we talked in a show a couple of weeks ago, you know, about um, the century of the self and the yes. rise of ego and narcissism. Um, and I do think the culture has become very narcissistic and very, very ego driven. And when you're doing that, you know, there goes your emotional control because everything sees is seen through the lens of I'm the greatest and I've got to win everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and sorry, folks, you're not, and you don't have to. Um, and so that to me is that rise of the self, the sense of self and the narcissism that goes with it has polarized people. Right? And, and rather than doing what we're talking about doing, they do the opposite. And that leads to, you know, all the things that we're seeing, hate, uh, hardly any reasonable discussion, no, very, not much willingness to entertain other views and so forth. Right, very little positive regard for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yes, and and so I think for people who are listening to the show and going, hmm, you know, I do, I really do feel like I want to have a different experience in my life and a different sort of like I want to grow in this area then in the next segment, we're going to talk more about like the practical sort of application of things. And I do think it's like a journey, you know, it's a journey to, to finding our, our own voice again, like, and to listening to it as opposed to the external voice, the century of the self is a great, you know, documentary series. If anyone wants to watch it, it's available on YouTube. The BBC did it. And, uh, it's just to see how we have been influenced to actually not think for ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And and how that bias is implicit in the system. The brain's great, but it's not perfect. In, in many ways, it's flawed. For example, memory is very unreliable. So if you start with that, saying that memory is unreliable and is easily influenced by a whole variety of factors like your mood, like other people, <laughs> uh, et cetera, et cetera, if memory is unreliable, then that whole cognitive structure is is unreliable in a way, and and you need to recognize that. Uh, you need to recognize that, and we don't. We don't do it officially, and we don't do it personally. And again, we need to think about what are the things that we can do to become more judicious. And frankly, this is what wisdom is about. I think the wise person knows what they don't know. They, the wise person understands what we have been talking about. Um, it's not being about being brilliant. There's a difference between being brilliant and being wise. Um, you know, somebody might have be able to do mental arithmetic and goodness knows what. You know, super fast, brilliant, but that doesn't necessarily make you wise. Wisdom is what we're talking about now. I think. Yes, and I th- the other really cool thing about memory actually being so uh, not reliable is for everybody to be able to look at themselves with more positive regard in that area and to go, you know what, I'm like everybody else here. My memory isn't infallible. My memory is like everybody else's. Um, And so that way you can give yourself the gift of a little bit of space to, to develop curiosity as opposed to the, like, I absolutely know this is the truth. It's, you know, and get stuck in your position it creates a space of grace, really, for people, for everybody to be able to say, my memory is probably just as good as yours. So <laughs> right, right. <laughs> maybe we should start the conversation with that idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, when we come back in the last segment of the show, we talk about some practical things that you can do to begin to break the cycle and look at what is what you can do and what you can't do, or what is best for you and what isn't, uh, when we come back on the other side of Master Your Life. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey gang, this is Leah Mattinson, and I know if you're listening to my program right now, that you're somebody who is interested in mastering your life. Maybe you're interested in being a better parent, or living with more energy and vitality in the face of a debilitating disease. Or are you just stuck in a rut and want to learn how to reconnect, play, and enjoy your life fully again? Then I invite you to come to reallifetraining.com to learn about my upcoming Real Life Reflections, a weekly live interactive workshop. These closed group discussions dive deep into life's biggest real life challenges and how to successfully navigate them. Now you can become a participant in these discussions with me. So if that sounds like where you'd like to be and how you'd like to feel, come on over to the website at reallifetraining.com and see how you can access more health, happiness, and joy each week. Reallifetraining.com, where we help people to help themselves. When was the last time you said, I love myself and I love my life? Can't recall? Has it been five years? Ten maybe? Or do you quite literally not remember a time when you felt peaceful and joyful? Well, how would you like to be one of those special women who glow because you're on a path to awakening and evolving consciously? 
If that sounds like where you want to be, but you just don't know how to get there, come join Leah Mattinson for one of her upcoming retreats in a beautiful, intimate, and very exclusive location. Dive deep in mind, body, and spirit. Go to reallifetraining.com for details. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet, but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm host Leah Mattinson. And joined by my co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin, and today we're talking about um, perception and bias in our judgment. And Howard, we're just going to pick it up with some of the pragmatics of what can we do to actually break the cycle of this bias bias that we have, that just naturally we seem to go to. Well, I, I think the perspective should be, look, every, this is how humans are made. This is where we're at. This is how our brain has evolved to this point. Uh and it's biased, so everyone has that. There's nobody, you know, who's really immune for that. That is a sort of default setting. So understand that. It's not about you being, you know, bad, weak, or moral, what have you. We're all, that's how we're made. That's how the brain works. But we do have the ability to change some of that through conscious control and recognition of it and recognize that several things, memory is unreliable, Emotion will drive the narrative, and we will also always try to um, come up with a narrative that defends what we've done, okay? What's called confirmation bias. We will find things that justify our position. And in fact, what happens is you only look for the things that justify your position, and you don't even bother to look for the things that might oppose it. So those are, are core things. So first of all, just being just recognizing that as a human trait um, is is very very important. Very yes. important. And recognizing that we're amazing. Human beings are amazing. Like we're. Uh, uh, it's just like the job of being a human is not an easy job. So recognizing that in our humanness, we all have these, um, you know, pick points, I guess, of weakness. And that's part of why we're supposed to connect to one, one another is to help each other with those little points. 
and and to bringing uh, more of our humanness to the forefront as opposed to kind of the the conscious sort of uh, um, you know following rote and routine and what and that those, staying stuck in our judgments when we're actually in a group of people that helps us to be uh, emotionally stable uh, so there's not a lot of chaos let's say it helps us to be able to be human and admit when we've made mistakes because part of that admission of making mistake is that we're afraid that people are going to kick us out of the tribe we're afraid that they're going to hurt us where you know those are really basic sort of tenets of living as a human being uh, and when we get a really firm understanding that we're all the same <laughs> We're yes. all, we're all struggling right. with the same fear of we're going to get hurt and people aren't going to like us. <laughs> we're going right. to do stuff to embarrass ourselves. And uh, that that when we start from that position, then we can actually accept that other people are exactly the same as us. And they don't want to be hurt either. And they don't want to be kicked out of the tribe either. And they don't want to be embarrassed either. Um, and they don't want to be wrong, just like we don't want to be wrong. Uh, but creating those conversations where we understand that we are um, not correct a lot of the time. Uh, I see this in my daughter's generation where she's around 20 years old, and I find that they have a lot more um, what I would call kind of the uh, humor about themselves, that they see that they make mistakes a lot and they share that. So I wonder if there's a difference between the generations. Have you any observation of that at all, Howard? Um, you know, honestly, I don't know. Um, yeah, I've certainly seen some of that. Uh, what, how widespread it is, what does it mean? I'm, I'm just not sure. Um, but it, if that is indeed the case, wherever I see somebody being able to exercise this wisdom, and I'm really going to focus on calling it wisdom because I think that's what it is, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged because frankly, there are too many examples of the opposite. Um, and, and that's scary. I have to say also that it's scary, but ultimately liberating. It's scary to think, shoot, you know, perhaps my perceptions of things aren't entirely right, you know? What am I? And that's scary, because one of the reasons we want that is we want control. But once you really take on board the fact is, yeah, that is the case, it can be incredibly liberating rather than frightening. Right, yes. And I'm drawn also to the, the, the second point that you made, which is that emotion drives the narrative. And, and so I, I invite clients often to just ask themselves, what emotional state do you primarily find yourself in? And, you know, is it a happy state or is it <clears throat> disgruntled and, you know, angry, resentful, all those things? And a lot of times people are often in the gray scale or the black scale of, of emotions. So if that's the emotional mm -hmm. state that they're in, uh, then the narrative that's being driven from that state is not so hot. And so part of the awareness around what is your actual emotional state mm -hmm. every day? How do, and, and not only how do you see yourself, but how do others around you experience you? Because sometimes their experience of you is more accurate than your own. Mm. Yes, absolutely. That is very true. And going back to the eclipse, I was so impressed with it. I, I actually did another post on my social media, which was a post of the uh, limbic system, the emotional areas of the brain, totally eclipsing the frontal lobe, which is the thinking areas of the brain. Um, and you know, I called it a neuro eclipse. Um, and that does happen. The, the emotional circuits, because they are about our survival, will, uh, almost by default, 
override the thinking areas of the brain, at least initially, and maybe for a lot of people, way more than that. And so part of that is understanding what emotions are uh, and not being freaked out and controlled by them, but trying to understand what does that mean to you? Because I think all emotions are signals about something going on in your life. Uh, and uh, you need to use those to try to figure out why am I whatever that is. And you might know the answer to that. Or you think you do. And then, okay, what am I going to do about it rather than freaking out um, and have your behavior and your mind driven by anger, frustration, anxiety, depression? Yeah. And at Real Life Training, we do a lot of training with people exactly on that is understanding not only what are the what are the feelings and naming them, but then how do you actually just kind of let things float past you so that you don't, it's like you, you pay attention to things that are true and the kind of the tell the truth, uh, you know, you'll, there's many things that are not the truth and you'll know the truth because it's not a big story that we make up. It's just kind of, you know it when you hear it and you go, oh no, that's the truth for me. I'm feeling sad and, or I'm feeling happy or I'm feeling blissful um, or I'm feeling resentful. And, the, you know, people will light up on certain words and they'll go, that is the truth for me in this situation. Now, what am I going to do about it? Right. And, yeah. and until you can recognize that range of emotion, um, and it's okay to have emotions. That's like, we're human. We're supposed to feel things. But it's, it's what do we do, how do we take that emotion and actually move ourselves into the alchemy of becoming a more evolved um, human being? Absolutely. And one of the things that I find um, in this field, and I'm really glad that you brought that up about your training because that's excellent, but one of the times, some of the things I've I find even maybe with some professionals if somebody goes in and they're you know depressed what have you and they're given the messages oh you're being too negative you know you need to be positive blah 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 but they aren't told about this process the process of thought judgment emotion and how it puts together that's what they need to be told not oh you shouldn't be feeling that way they need to be told okay this is how this works okay and that right now let's look at what's going on here um it's too glib sometimes i think um, oh, but yes. right but but again you know i know with your professionalism and expertise allows you to give the right lesson to people not just you know yell at them because they are doing the wrong thing yes we don't do a should... lot of yelling at real life training <laughs> but when we have to we pull out the big guns <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. But, yeah, no. And I think but, the other the other thing around the whole distortion piece is often that the distortion happens because it's something like in our in our kind of dark side, there's things that we want and then we'll distort stuff so that we can make it okay to get that thing, whatever it is, whether it's a chocolate donut or it's, you know, five cents a liter, you know, whatever of extra mm -hmm. gas or, you know, whatever the thing is, because we do have this little primal thing in us. Um, that there's always the challenge of do I do do I do the right thing or or do I not here and uh, and right being the right thing for you and so I'm certainly not saying a chocolate donut is bad please don't hear that chocolate donuts are great <laughs> ten chocolate <laughs> donuts again maybe you need that too I don't know <laughs> but, knowing, but but it's that it's the knowing what's true and right for you uh, right. and then so developing a it's like I was surprised at how many people just don't have sort of like operating principles in their own lives. And that, you know, some people will use the biblical wisdom around the Ten mm -hmm. Commandments, and some people will use, you know, the Two Commandments instead of the Ten. And for non-Christians, they'll use other wisdoms, like, you know, the Toltecs have kind of, 
you know, about four, and but they all sort of boil down to the same tenets, which is, you know, tell the truth. <laughs> That's the first mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tell the truth starts with yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing. And if you operate from a place of telling the truth to yourself, um, then you don't do things that are harmful to yourself. And you also, if you're not harming yourself, you are not capable of harming other people. Right. And and so telling the truth means recognizing, hey, I may not know the truth about this particular right. thing. Yes. Uh, and, and, and that brings us nicely to what we were talking before, which is why, given the bias that's inherent in us, it is so important to operate from a position of love, uh, lack of harm, you know, and non-judgmental. Because we know if you go into those areas uh, of, of judgment and all that, you're going to be wrong a lot of the time. Guaranteed. So, right? <laughs> so, so, so that's why love is so important and the most important thing. Yes, 100%. And, uh, and when it comes back to that development of self-love that we become kind of worthy beings, uh, you know, that, that we create, that, that our life is all about these inner and outer challenges to overcome all of these things that, that show up in our, in our life. And sometimes we get caught up in things um, that are, are a bias and then we have to back up and go, no, that wasn't exactly the truth. And one of the things I hear commonly, uh, through, and I think we see it in our culture right now, is the use of the term, I love you. And people say, I love you all the time, as if it has no, um, mm, right. you know, like, what's the meaning of that? And it's so right. overused that, you know, is it romantic love? Is it right. eros love? Is it, like, what is the love? And, and then, so we, so that's kind of one in relationships that makes a big slippery slope uh, for people in terms of telling the truth. You know, so early in relationship, we can tell people that we love them, and then we find out that we love parts of them, but we don't necessarily love all of the, all of the parts, and it's not a fit for us. And then we go, well, now I got to make up some big drama about how they're a bad person. Versus, guess what? <laughs> this is just not a fit. Right. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Right, versus, right. kind of a reverent love that you have for your, say, grandchildren. Which, because <laughs> I'll go to that one because it's easy for me. Mm-hmm. There's that's an unconditional love there. Uh, that you're that you're just in the mm-hmm. moment of complete reverence and appreciation for, and so what, when I was what I was struck by we had a recent guest Bill McKenna talking about this whole unconditional love thing, and um, that with my grandson I feel that 100% of the time every time I'm with him, even when he's being a little cheeky monkey because he's almost three now, and mm-hmm. just um, but I love him like holy mackerel and just thinking mm, now do I love myself like I love him. Do I love all the parts of me like I love him? Because he doesn't have to perform anything in order for me to feel this in just overwhelming amount of love. And mm-hmm. do I feel like that about myself? And it's a very, that was an interesting question. I went, hmm, not in all areas. So what's going on with that? And mm-hmm. just coming back to my own uh, journey uh, of, all right, well, how do I fix these parts of me that are incongruent? And that comes back to this whole telling yourself the truth. And creating proper emotions. So the the internal um, journey of developing this sort of you know the sublime beauty of yourself then reflects out in the world. So just encourage people to think about uh, emotional mastery or self self love uh, is about this kind of inner reflection and overcoming your own um, tendencies to light up about things that are nothing to do with you. <laughs> 
Correct. There's lots of things in the yep. world that are nothing to do with us at all. And mm-hmm. we make up stories like it's something to do with us. And it is absolutely not anything to do with us. Well, yeah, and people have an opinion based on one piece of information, whereas, you know, there's millions of bits of information about any one event. Um, And so they take the first thing they hear, they emotionally react, that anchors their narrative, and off they go, you know, Uh, totally disconnected from reality. (laughs) But this is a problem. This is a problem in the society. We, in, you know, when... A very real problem all the time we see it in media uh how oh. you know they can just shift people's emotions and their emotional states and uh just by flipping on the tv the amount of well false news even they're calling it now you know mm-hmm. so and people tell it about each other that are in supposed to be in positions of you know trusted authority so you know how do we again how do we heal that culturally well again i think it comes back to uh some humility you know, you're not trying to defend yourself being awesome and the greatest and the most, you know, most wonderful and the most successful. So you are a human being just like the rest of us with, with these flaws and, and tremendous potential at the same time. Um, but if we get out of playing that game and just accept that uh, and have humility, respect for people, be non-judgmental, recognizing that, yeah, we'll automatically jump to conclusions, but that is not accurate. We would be better and wiser people. We'd make better decisions. And and you and I both, you know, really working hard to spread that word. Yes. Yeah. And it helps people to sleep better at night. If you're wondering, well, why would I do this? Why does it matter to me? Uh, I think for people who are interested in, you know, feeling more connected with other people and feeling more love for yourself. Like you feel, um, I know for me, I can feel better at night when I go to bed and that I have been okay with other people. You know, that my relationships mm. with other people are okay and that my relationship with myself is okay, that I haven't done things to, you know, violate myself or harm myself. And, and it's right down to the little things. And then when that is all in alignment, how good it feels uh, is much better than, you know, kind of anything externally that the world can offer. Mm-hmm. So that's really kind of the bait is going, well, uh, why would I want to do this? My life is pretty easy and it's going pretty good and, you know, things are things are all right and sure sometimes i get a little you know miffed from time you know time and again or po to people or you know driven tra- crazy in traffic but if you could take all that energy and actually turn it into something that was more positive is that something that would appeal to you and why or why not so this is where curiosity the development of curiosity comes into play um for adults of going where did where did that natural curiosity go to and then how do we get back to that so that everything is about um growing and not dying yep So, thank you for your input, as always, Leah, and we'll catch you next time on Master Your Life. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life.